let the church say amen. From the book of Exodus, from the book of Exodus, chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. These are the words you find there, Exodus chapter 2. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. What is that in thine hand? That's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about what... Do you have in your hand? What, what, what do you have? We could spend the rest of the day talking about what you ain't got. I want to draw attention. As God did to Moses, let me draw attention to each one of us. What do you, do you have in your hand? This is no new text. It's not new. But in light of where we are right now, in light of where God is leading us. We've spent a whole year rebuilding walls. We've spent a whole year talking about the trouble that the people had, how they got in trouble, how they ended up in. But we've talked a whole year about all of that. But that I want you to know that that wasn't a year wasted. It's information that you and I need so that you and I won't make the same mistakes. Brothers and sisters, I'm one who believes that if you're going to make a mistake, make a new mistake. Don't, don't, don't keep making the same old mistake. Learn from what happened to other folk. The person in front of you walked and fell in a ditch. And you ought to have sense enough. Yeah, you, you saw him fall in it. Amen. So that, that's your cue to go. Don't make the same. We can't even be creative in our mistakes. We keep making the same. But anyway, I, I, want, I, I, want, I want to, in, in view of that, in view of what God is doing here in this place now, we are talking about all of the wonderful things that God is going to do, and somebody's already got your mouth ready to say, well, I can't. Somebody's already got your mouth ready to say, well, you know, I, I, I'm on a fixed income. And let me just share with you, everybody up in here is on a fixed income. <laughs> and you, you got to learn how to shout. If you got an income that's fixed, you ought to be shouting. <laughs> you, you ought to be shouting. Man. A whole lot of folk who love to have a fixed income. But already we, we began to talk about what we can't do and what we ain't got and and it's amazing it's amazing that we always think we had what somebody else had we could do a whole lot more <laughs> and if I had what you had but the question of the day is what do you have in your hand strangely enough this sermon is about a stick a rod. It's a rod. That's, that's what we would call it if we saw it out somewhere. It's about a rod. It wasn't 
it wasn't a magic stick. It wasn't a magic rod. There was nothing unique about the rod. It wasn't a one-of-a-kind rod. It wasn't a designer rod. It was just a rod. Yet, this rod finds significance in the text, and the significance it has in the text is only that it was what Moses had in his hand. And here, God is calling his attention. He's calling Moses' attention to what he already had. He wasn't calling Moses to figure out if he could get something else to go over yonder and look somewhere. He said, no, what do you have already in your hand? Talk all day long about what we don't have. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough education. We don't have this. We don't have that. And, and if you're not careful, my brothers and sisters, you can talk that way. And I call it po-mouthing. You, you, you can talk that way so long until that becomes an excuse. Keep talking like that. After a while, you learn how to use it. You know, if I had this, I could do that. If I, if I had this, I could do so much more I could do this. But brothers and sisters, this text is tailored to call our attention not to what we don't have, but to consider what we do have. And what great things God can do and will do with what you do have if you will just take it and yield it over to him. We look here. Look here at the character Moses. Moses and Moses' life seemed like one great big miracle. Look at his life. His whole life was compiled. Looked like a one miracle after another. His, you look at Moses, you just wonder how in the world. But then, my brother and sister, you really don't have to take it all to Moses. If you look back over your own life, look back over your own life. Just think, think about it. Think about it. Think. Think over your own life and think about all the times that God could have taken you out of here. <laughs> Just think about it. Think about it. Think about it. If you want to shout, you want to shout. <laughs> Just think about all the times and, and it wasn't always somebody else's fault. You have put yourself in some positions. <laughs> you have put yourself sometimes in positions that if God had wanted to, he could have taken you out. But thank God for Jesus. <laughs> thank God that we are yet here. Oh, you don't know when to shout. Oh, some, some of the folk who were with you who were doing what you're doing, they gone now. Are y'all hearing me? But God, some way, and somehow his grace and his mercy has carried us. But read the account of Moses, Moses. And you can find this amazing chapter 2 of Exodus tells us most of everything we know about Moses. You can cover 80 years of his life without ever leaving chapter 2. How he was born, with a contract on his life, how his mother saved him, put him in the little basket. All of us, we, we Sunday school people, we remember that, how his mother sent him down the Nile River. We remember how how he ended up in, in, in Pharaoh's house. We remember how he married the daughter of a Midianite priest, how he killed a man, had to run out of town. All of that is Moses' life. But then toward the end of chapter 2, 
gets a little murky, gets a little murky. We, we read all of this about Moses, and it looks almost like two different stories coming together in one chapter. It, it can't be all about Moses, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's why, you know, it's good to study Bible character, but you got to know it ain't all about Moses. It ain't all about Moses. Uh, yeah, the story of Moses is one story in a bigger book. And this is God's book. Now, verse 23 talks about the death of the king. It talks about the death of the king. Same chapter. We leave Moses. We're talking about the death of Pharaoh. And, and we continue talking about the suffering of the children of Israel. And it looks almost like we got two different stories going on. And verse 24 says that the people were suffering. And God heard that groaning and remembered the covenant he made with Abraham. You begin to wonder, now, how did it start out talking about Moses? And now we're talking about the suffering of the children of Israel. He even brought up the promise, the promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But, now, yeah, but I found this out. I found out, my brothers and my sisters, that when you see these kinds of things and you see the Bible begin to switch, you've got to understand that that is a bigger purpose in the book. You've got to understand, you've got to understand even on the TV, every once in a while, you got to stop and hear a word from the sponsor. So we can't get so wrapped up in Moses that we don't know that this is a part of a bigger story. So it jumps back and Moses took his wife and his son. Look at chapter 4, verse 20. Took his sons, packed them up, headed back to Egypt, and they took the rod of God. It makes sure that it lets us know that. Moses picks his wife. He got his children. They're on their way back to Egypt. And it specifically says that he took the rod of God in his hand. Now, that ought to let you know right now there's something to this rod. That's, that's something to this stick. The Bible wants us to know that he had it in his hand. My brothers and my sisters, what we are witnessing here is a collision course between the life of Moses and the will and the plan of God. That's what we're seeing here. And while I got you right here, while I got you right here, let me tell you that if you have not already had that collision, your life is on a collision course with the will and the plan of God. At some point, my brothers and sisters, that at some point you realize that it ain't about you. You realize that you're on a collision course with what God has for you. You're not just passing in this life aimlessly in this world. God has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, he told us, for I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. The question is, the question is, will you submit yourself? Will you submit yourself to all that God has planned for you? Just look at Moses. Look at, look at how Moses dealt with this collision. Moses is out on the backside of a mountain watching his father-in-law's sheep. He's out there with the herd. He's watching. And he notices a bush that is burning. You know this story. You know this story. He, he noticed a bush that is on fire. No, no surprise there, really. He's on the desert. It's hot out there. Hot out there. Sun beaming down. It's really nothing unusual about something just catching on fire. In, the day, we, when in school, I learned they call that com, uh, spontaneous combustion. <laughs> Y'all remember that term? Yeah, things just get hot and go up. That, so there's really nothing unusual about a bush burning out in the desert. 
But here it is. Moses is out there all day. He's out there all day, and he keeps watching. And the more he watches this thing, it becomes more unusual because he realizes that although the bush is on fire, it ain't burning up. Now it's beginning to get a little strange. It's been burning all day. The fire is still burning, but the bush is not consumed. Y'all hear me? So it didn't take long for Moses to figure out now that's just another bush out there, but something strange about that fire. I just said something right there. I just said something. I said, yeah, that, that's just, it's just an ordinary bush, but there's something strange about that fire. And let me throw this in. Let me throw this in. Yeah, yeah. God can draw attention to any ordinary bush with his, ordin with his extraordinary fire. Are y'all hearing me? Ask me how I know. Well, the reason I know is because I'm standing up here. And I know before I met the Lord and before the Lord did what he did, none of y'all would have come to hear me do anything. Are y'all hearing me? Ain't nothing extraordinary about the bush. If there's anything that you come here, you come here to watch it burn. Are y'all hearing me? Ordinary bush. Extraordinary fire. Are y'all hearing me? And, and, and please no, please no. I ain't just talking about me. I'm talking to everybody up in this house. All of us, we are just ordinary bushes. Just ordinary bushes. And if there's anything about you that makes you stand out, it is the fire of God that you got down in your soul. If you don't believe that, you fool around and let your fire go out. <laughs> Moses. Moses turned aside to see what's going on. Here's a bush that's been burning and it ain't consumed. And so Moses turned aside. Once the Lord saw that he had Moses' attention, then he begins to talk. Did you notice that? Moses said, then watch that bush all the morning. God never said a word. But the moment he saw Moses look at it, the moment he got his attention, then God begins to talk with him and tell him, what it is that he wants him to do. Go to Pharaoh. You remember the story. Go to Pharaoh. Tell him to let my people go. Now right from the beginning. Moses starts making excuses. What he can't do. What I don't have. I can't talk. All these excuses. He, 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 I, I'm not the right one for the job. I'm not. Look at chapter 3 and verse 11. He says who am I to approach Pharaoh. Are y'all hearing me? Lord said, Lord, Lord answered him, says, uh, yeah, 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 it, yeah, yeah. It, it, ain't, it ain't about who you are. Who you are is not important. What is important is who I am. Who I am and the fact that I am with you. Look at verses 13 and 14. He says, well, I don't know what to say. God says, I'll tell you what to say. It's amazing how all excuses we come up, God already has an answer. God says, I will tell you what to say. Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, they won't listen to me. They won't listen to my voice. God says, that ain't the voice I'm trying to get them to hear no how. <laughs> Are y'all hearing me? 
Yeah, yeah, they don't need to hear your voice. They need to hear my, are y'all hearing this? Excuses. Excuses. Excuses, and that's where we come to the text. He's made all these excuses, talking about what he doesn't have and what he can't have. And God is, yeah, he's listened. God, and God begins to say, I've listened to all your excuses about what you can't do. I've listened to all your excuses about what you don't have. What is that? In your hand. That's what I wanted to get to right now. What is that? In your hand. I can only imagine how, how confused Moses had to be. Lord, it's, it's just a rod. It's a stick. All shepherds got them. We fight wolves off with them. We, we, we drive the, the stock with the flock with them. We, everybody get, it, Lord, it's just... A rod. Now let me just ask you all a question. Do you believe that an all-knowing, omniscient God, do you believe that he really didn't know what Moses had in his hand? I want to submit to you that he knew all the time what Moses had. Moses didn't know. Moses did not know. And he's drawing Moses' attention to what he already had in his hand. My brothers and my sisters, you need to know that God has already given you everything that you need. You need to know that. Write that down. God has given you everything that you need to do what it is he has called you to do. It's in your hand. It may not seem like much to you. And it may seem insignificant to you. Are y'all hearing me? But, but God has given each of us what we need on this journey. One of the greatest problems we have as believers is the tendency to underestimate what we have. And I just believe when you underestimate what you have, you, I, I believe you're just being ungrateful to God. I believe you ought to thank God for everything. I believe that whatever God gives you, you need to learn to thank God for it. I think it's a slap in his face for us to sit around complaining about this little bit I got. I think it's a slap in God's face to be sitting around complaining about this little check. You better learn how to thank God for, oh, y'all hear me? Thank God for whatever you got in your hand. We tend, we tend to downplay stuff when it ain't what we think it ought to be. Listen to that widow woman, Elijah, when they're talking about, talking to the widow woman, woman, she said to Elijah, said to the preacher, all I got is this handful of meal. All I got, see how she's downplaying that? All I got is this hand. How much meal can you get in your hand? I got a handful. Y'all hear me? You got to learn how to thank God instead of looking at the negative side. You remember the disciples with Jesus out there? Jesus told them to go find something to eat. He came back. One came back and told Jesus, Jesus, that little boy out there with his lunch. Got chickens, got two fish, five loaves of bread out there. But what is that among all these folk? Are you hearing me? Rather than saying, thank God we didn't have nothing a moment ago, but right now, we, at least we're going in the right direction. All of us up in here, everybody sitting up in this house, we come from a line of folk who knew how to thank God. 
Are y'all hearing? We come, you might not know how to do it. You might have lost that thing, but I'll tell you what, somewhere down your line was some folk that sit down at an empty table and say, God, I thank you for what I'm about to receive. They knew how to thank God for whatever they had. Are y'all hearing me? With a woman, with a woman, and, 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 and even with the case with the, with the, the boy with two fish and five loaves of bread, I, want you to, I just want to point out that neither one of those situations changed until they took it out of their hands and put it in the master's hands. Show you that, show you that. Which, this is the next point here. Next point. He says, what's that in your hand? He says, it's a rod. Look at verse 3. God said, throw it down. <laughs> throw it down. Let me give you something to shout about. What's that in your hand? It's a rod. Throw it down. Say it another way. Get it out of your hands. Let me say it another way. You get your hands off of it. Let, let me say it another way so you can really hear it. You give up control of it. <laughs> Throw it down. You give up control. My brothers and sisters been doing this a long time. And I don't figure it out. We struggle with throwing stuff down. We struggle. We struggle with giving up control. We, we struggle with that. We, We'll hold on to stuff that's killing us. We just struggle with giving up control. Relationships that we know are killing us. Are y'all hearing me? Finances. Grown children. That's most of the stuff that's killing us and running our blood pressure. Are y'all hearing me? It's stuff that we just can't turn loose. That we can't put in the master's hand. But I know I got at least one witness up here. That, that my brothers and sisters, it ain't until you get your hands off. That God will say, are y'all hearing me? It ain't until you stop laying up all night worrying about it that God will step in. We just got to learn how to give up control. He says, I want you to throw it down. Throw it down. Put, get, get your hands off of it. Watch this. When he threw it down, read the Bible. When he threw it down, we learn another lesson. We learned that what looked like one thing was something totally different <laughs> when he threw it down. It looked like one thing while I had it in my hand. But when I threw it down and looked at it, as it turned out, it was something totally different when I surrendered my control and put it in God's control. Are y'all hearing me? Could it be, my brothers and my sisters, that God wants to do something miraculous in your life right now? Maybe he's just waiting on you to give up control. Maybe he's just waiting 
on you to throw it down. Not until Moses released it. Not until Moses released it that the power of God showed up, came on, came on it. And when he threw it down, watch this. He threw it down and it turned into a serpent. Let me see another word. A snake. Now y'all can understand why Moses started running. The Bible says he threw it down. And when he threw it down, it turned into a snake. Now, Moses started running. Moses started, Moses he did what most of us in here would do. He took off running. But let me say something. Let me just share this. I just believe, and I, we talked about this some last week. I don't believe Moses was running from a snake. The man lived in the desert. Saw snakes every day. Are y'all hearing me? Snakes are nothing to him. I believe that it was at that point that he realized that there is a God somewhere that's big enough to take this stick. Are y'all hearing me? Why in the world would I be afraid of a snake when I know that there's a God that can make a snake? Are y'all hearing me? You got to learn how to put your fear in the right place. If you're going to fear somebody, you better fear God. They can take what you got in your hand and turn it around. Are y'all hearing me? If you're going to fear anybody, you need to fear God. They can speak to the wind and the wane and say, peace be still. If you're going to fear anybody. Are y'all hearing me? You better learn. You better learn how to have that right kind of reverence. That right kind of fear of God. Are y'all hearing me? But then Moses is trying to get away. Trying to get away. But here's another strange command. Get this now. Moses has got a trot going here. He's trying to get away from this thing. God says, pick it up. <laughs> Are y'all here? It's in the book. It's right there in the book. Read it. Read it when you get home. He's trying to get away from it. God says, Pick it up. Pick it up. And I, I, let me just give you a little detail. It's sort of strange. See, I come from the country and I, you know, uh, he even told him how to pick it up. <laughs> See, I, I'm from the country and when I didn't have no better sense, we would catch little snakes. Little snakes. <laughs> and, and you, you, you catch him behind the neck the head you catch him you see you if you ain't got no more sense than to catch him you need to know how to catch him and that way you 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 you're preserving yourself because you don't want him to swing around and back so you catch him behind the neck god said pick him up by the tail <laughs> let me check your faith here let me check your faith here let me see if you're gonna do what i say pick him up Pick him up by the tail. So, Moses picks it up, but a lesson is learned that day. Moses begins to see that it really doesn't matter what I have in my hand. What matters is whether or not I'm willing to yield it to God. What really matters is whether or not I really know who everything belongs to, whether or not I'm willing to take my hands off and let God have control of it. 
And, and, and my brothers and sisters, that, that, that's the story. And as I go to my seat, I want to tell you that God is not looking for folk that got great riches, necessarily. God is not looking for folk who have got a whole lot of great accomplishment. God is not looking for folk only who got a whole lot of resources. God is looking for folk who are willing to yield whatever they have. Oh, y'all hear me? Whatever it is that you got in your hand, God is looking for somebody that will yield whatever you have over to him. Whether it's great or whether it's small, God is looking for somebody who's willing to say, Lord, here it is. Are y'all hearing me? I offer it to you. He's looking for folks who are willing to give up control and put him in control. You see, my brothers and my sisters, yeah, yeah, it may not be much in your hands. I'm saying something here. It may not seem like much in your hands. But I declare, if you take that same thing, that same thing that you call nothing, that same thing that you call this little old, you take that same thing and put it in the master's hand. I wonder if I got a witness up in here. I couldn't do anything with it. But some way and somehow, when I put it in the master's hand, I began to see that God moves in mysterious ways. Y'all ain't hearing me. You see, a handful of meal may not be much in a little widow's hand, but you put it in the master's hand. Two fish and five loaves of bread may not be much in a little boy's hand, but if you put it in the master's hand, the master can take the same thing and feed a multitude. I'm just trying to tell you, it's just a matter of whose hands it's all in. Y'all ain't hearing me. A rod might have been nothing in Moses' hand. It didn't seem like much in the hand of Moses. But once that rod was yielded to God, he yielded that same rod, that same stick. And he used it to confront magicians in Pharaoh's palace. That same rod. He used to turn water into blood. That same rod. He used to infest the land with frogs. That same stick. Yeah. He used it to cause lice to spread all over Egypt. Yeah. That same stick. Yeah. Brought thunder and hell out of the sky. Yeah. That same stick. Yeah. Caused the sea to open wide up. Yeah. That same stick. Yeah. Closed the sea back. Yeah. And drowned Pharaoh's army. Yeah. Yeah. That same stick. Uh, caused uh, you bring water out of a rock. Yeah. All I'm saying, my brothers and my sisters, uh, it's all a matter of whose hands it is. Yeah. So I want to go to my seat telling you uh, to put it all uh, in his hands. Y'all ain't hearing me. Yeah. I say put it all uh, in his hand. Yeah. Some writer said this problem uh, that I had. Yeah. I just couldn't seem to solve. Yeah. I prayed uh, and I prayed uh, but I kept on getting involved. Yeah. But then I turned it over to Jesus yeah, and I stopped worrying about it. Yeah. I turned it over to the Lord uh, and he, uh, he worked it out. Yeah. I wonder if I got one witness here. Yeah. That he will, uh, he will, uh, he'll work it out. Yeah. 
is that one witness in the house yeah, that will tell everybody else yeah, that I turned it over to the Lord and he worked it out. Yes, you got to learn to put it in his hand because he is the owner. Yeah, Are y'all hearing me? Yeah, It may be yours by stewardship, yeah, but it's his by ownership. Yeah, and he can do more with it than you can. Yeah, Are y'all hearing me? Yeah, let me prove it to you. The earth is the Lord's and as full as they are, the world and they that dwell therein. So it's all a matter yeah, of getting it in the right hands. Yeah. Are y'all hearing me? Yeah. You see, these are the same hands uh, that took some dirt, yeah, reached out of nowhere, yeah, grabbed a handful of nothing, yeah, and formed this earth. Yeah. These are the same hands yeah, that took some dust yeah, and made a man. Uh, are y'all hearing me? Yeah. It's got to be in the right hands. Yeah. These are the same hands uh, that picked up a cross, yeah, carried up Galgotha's hill. Yeah. These are the same hands uh, that they nailed uh, to an old cross. Yeah. The same hands, uh, the same hands uh, that they buried uh, down in a barry tomb. Uh, they're the same hands uh, that early uh, Sunday morning uh, got up from the grave uh, saying, all power, all power is in my hand. Yeah! Yeah! I'm glad. I'm glad I know him. I'm glad that he walks with me. He talks with me. And he tells me that I am his own. And every now and then, I just look toward heaven and say, Lord, lay your hand on me. Lay your hand on me, Jesus. I don't mind. Lay your hand Yeah, 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 yeah. You better learn. We've got too much confidence in self. You need God. You know what I say? You need to learn how to get your hands off. Put it in the hands of an almighty God. Got to learn to appreciate what you do have. Don't, don't look to get more if you haven't thanked them for what you already got. Don't, don't look to continually be blessed if you haven't stopped to say, Lord, I thank you for what I'm trying to change our attitude about. Trying to change our attitude about stuff. Because too many of us, too many of us are stuff has taken over and, and, and the time has come when we must take a spiritual inventory I want you to stop and I want you to inventory everything you got and you will come up with the same conclusion that Job came up with Job says naked came I into the world and naked shall I return. It all belongs. It all belongs to the Lord. So today, 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 
tonight, this week, I want you just to think on these things. I want you to think on whose stuff is this really? Where did I get it from, really? Think we, we've got to get in proper perspective. The church, the church of God, the church of God will never be all it can be as a body until the people in the church, that's the church, until we get our attitudes right about what belongs to us, what belongs to God. It all belongs to God. If you're here today, here today unsaved, I want you to know that he desires you. If you're unsaved, he, he wants your life turned around today. And I want you to know the good news is that you're in the right place at the right time. He can turn life around for you right now. If you're unsaved, I want to invite you to come. If you're already saved and don't have a church home, you're just in need of a church covering. You need to be covered. You do, you do need to be a part of the family of God. Let me invite you today. Let me invite you today to become a part of the family of God. Let me invite you today to become a part of the community of the redeemed. If you're here, won't you come?